Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. I'm Yael Ziegler, and this is our first shiur on Parshat Bo. Parshat Bo opens with Makat uh, Arbe, with the plague of locusts. As we have been discussing, this is the second plague in the third series of three plagues. That is, we're now up, we had Tetzach, we had Adash, and now we have Be'acha, Barad Arbe and Choshech, Hail Locusts and Darkness. And so that makes locusts the second of this series of three plagues. As we've seen, the second of the plagues always begins with the words, God says to Moshe, come into Paro. We've previously suggested that this indicates that Moshe actually comes and meets Paro inside the palace. Rabbeinu Bechaye actually um, uh, discusses this at some length. And that, of course, is threatening to Paro in the area in which he feels very comfortable and very uh, secure. And so Moshe threatens Paro inside his own palace. Now, um, this this uh, plague is certainly part of the series of the Ten Plagues. It's inherently connected to Barad, to Hail, as we will see. It, in fact, seems to sort of clean up the job of Hail. Like Hail, this is a very long plague. It consists of 20 verses. And like Hail, we're going to see that there's going to be uh, somewhat of a back and forth between Paro and Moshe during the course of this plague. And yet, at the same time, this plague does seem to open with a new introduction. It's a new chapter. More importantly, it's a new parasha. We mentioned that at the end of the at the end of the last class, at the end of Parashat Veira. We now seem to be starting a new chapter of plagues. The plague of hail, the plague of Barad, seemed to end with a sort of cataclysmic, um, dramatic, climactic sense. We felt that we were getting to the end of the plagues, and suddenly we sort of pick up again the plague narrative with the plague of locusts, despite the fact that it sort of felt like we had ended it. But let's look at the fact that really when you do look at the beginning of this parsha, you do feel that we're getting a new beginning. We also have several new ideas that we haven't seen thus far in the plague narrative. Parakid Pasuk Aleph, Vayomer Adonai El Moshe, Bo El Paro, Kiani Hichbadti Et Libo, Vet Leiv Avadav, Leman Shiti Ototai, Ototai Ele, Bikir Bo, Leman Tisaper, Beoz Nevincha, Uven Bincha, Et Asher Hitalalti Bemitraim, Vet Ototai Asher Samti Vam, Vidatem Kiani Adonai. And God spoke to Moshe, and he said, Come to Paro, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, so that I can place my signs, these signs amongst you, and so that you can tell in the ears of your sons and the sons of your sons that, that which I have wrought in Mitzrayim in Egypt, and my signs that I have placed amongst them, and you will know that I am God. But what is what's interesting here, and I think that this point is maybe the, the critical uh, key to understanding the division of the Parshiot, is that this is really the only time, certainly the first time, during the course of the plague narrative, that we actually pause to focus on the educational message that is intended for Am Yisrael. Um, this point, I think, is really very, very clear here. We are uh, s- suddenly turning to uh, turning our attention to Am Yisrael and saying, so that you can tell your children all of this is so that you can pass down the message of what has occurred in Egypt and all of the plagues and all of the wonders. That's the purpose of this plague narrative. That's why it continues past the seventh plague. There's what, what I mentioned at the end of the last class was, was that the first seven plagues uh, seem to be 
uh, punitive in nature. They're there in order to punish the Egyptians. Whereas starting, beginning with this plague, we seem to be focusing our attention a little bit differently. We're now not looking so much backward as we are forward. And when we look forward, we look towards the nation and try to understand how these plagues are meant to impact upon the nation. Um, I'll make another point that is connected to this point, and that is that the Abarbanel also wants to understand why we sort of open a new Parsha here, especially given the fact that um, that Arbe is part of um, uh, part of a threesome. It's part of a series of plagues. So why does it feel as though here we have some sort of opening to a new unit? And he maintains that from this plague forward, Paro and his servants are already afraid of God. And actually what occurs beginning in this plague is that before the plague is even brought upon Paro, he's already negotiating with Moshe. He's already showing that he is willing to concede. He's willing to, uh, to, to enter into negotiations because he already has begun to actually realize that he is going to have to submit to God, that God is in charge. That, that That's what we saw at the uh, end of the last plague, where Paro said, God is the tzaddik, God is the righteous one, and I and my people, we are the ones in the wrong. And uh, what the Abarbanel concludes here, and I think that this is a critical conclusion, is that he says, This parsha from the very beginning, is about leaving Egypt. It's about the redemption from Egypt. It's already looking forward. And so all of the events in this parsha are looking towards the future. We're going to see that in a moment. And also, if you look at these three final plagues, the ones that appear in Parshat Bo, Parshat Bo being, of course, the parsha of Geulah, the parsha of leaving Egypt, what we're going to see is, is that all three of these plagues are about darkness, right? So we're going to see that in a moment with respect to locusts. We're going to see that certainly about Makat Choshech, the plague of darkness, and the uh, Makat Bechorot, the plague of the firstborn, the smiting of the firstborn, also takes place in the dead of night. And I think that the indication here is, is that the Egyptians are in darkness. They're in this state of death. They're no longer the focus. They're no longer of particular interest to us. But Machashakim Hushivani Kemite Olam, they are basically placed in darkness like the dead of the world. And we're now looking to take Am Yisrael out of Egypt into the great light. As Yeshayahu says in Yeshayahu Perak The nation that was walking in darkness now sees this great light. And this seems to be what we have here in Egypt. We leave Egypt plunged in darkness and we turn to leave Egypt as we leave Egypt we're leaving them behind in darkness and we're moving on to a period of light and so that's I think part of what defines this next stage this is why we turn to focus on Am Yisrael let's look in Pasuk Gimel and they say to him, so says God, the God of the Hebrews, until when have you refused to humble yourself before me? Uh, send my people and let them serve me. For if you refuse to send my people, I will bring tomorrow locusts in your borders. Yeter 
הנשארת לכם מן הברד ואכל את כל העץ הצומח לכם מן השדה. And it will cover the surface of the ground and you will not be able to see the ground. The surviving remnant that is left over for you from the hail and it will eat all of the trees that are growing for you from the field. So we have several things I think that are worthy of note here. First of all, this phrase, it will cover the eye of the ground. The aim here, I translated it as the surface of the ground. And yet the Targum here translates the word as the sun, right? The sun is the way that Targum Unclus translates it. Um, now, in, in actually, interestingly, the sun is called the eye of the god Ra in Egyptian documents. And in fact, an eye in hieroglyphics represents the god. Uh, therefore, the fact that the locusts here are described as covering Ein Haaretz may actually be a prelude to the description of the darkening of the land, which we're going to see specifically in Pasuk Tetvav, where it's going to say that they covered the eye of the land and therefore... Uh, the land became darkened. What we have here is the locust blocking out the sun. But perhaps more significantly, what we have is a sense that the sun god of the Egyptians has been defeated by this plague. That's, I think, another very important um, uh, benefit of or very important uh, aspect of these final three plagues in which Egypt has been plunged into darkness and their very powerful sun god, Ra, has been defeated in these three plagues. Um, the, the second point that I want to make about this particular pasuk is that this pasuk actually connects the plague of Arbe, the plague of locusts, directly to Barad, to the plague of hail. In fact, we're told that the locusts eat the remnant that has been left over from the plague of hail. Um, in general, I think what we see in each of these series of three plagues is that the first two plagues seem to be inherently connected the first two plagues, Dam and Svardea, are both Nile plagues. They're both plagues that seem to be about showing that God defeats the Nile, the great Nile of Egypt. The second two plagues are animal plagues. And these two plagues seem to be crops plagues. And so, in fact, what all these plagues seem to accomplish is one by one, um, ridding Egypt of the source of their prosperity. If the source of their prosperity was the Nile, well, there's no more Nile. The Nile is controlled by God. If the source of their prosperity and their success in the fields, in the fields was dependent on animals, once again, God controls these animals. If the source of their prosperity are their crops, well, God can determine, God can decide there are no longer going to be any crops in general. Barad and Arbet, hail and locusts, go together in more ways than just the ridding Egypt of their crops. Uh, here we have the role, we're going to see in a moment, of the Avdei Paro, the servants of Paro, who are becoming Yir'e Hashem. They are starting to become God-fearers. We're going to see in both of these plagues, Paro is going to acknowledge God, he's going to acknowledge his own culpability. Both of these plagues seem to contain within them the threat of death for Paro. And in both of these plagues, what we're going to see is that Moshe doesn't believe in the sincerity of Paro's commitment. Um, and of course, he is going to prove to be right in that regard. Um, and so these two plagues seem to go together. I think that they're taking us towards the end of the plague narrative. 
Um, but as I said, the locust plague also stands on its own, or it also leads us into this next period of Amisrael's period of Amisrael's history, a period in which we're looking towards leaving Egypt. Let's look at the description of this plague in Pasuk Vav. Again, we're still in the warning that uh, that Moshe is giving Paro. And they will fill your houses and the houses of your servants and the houses of and the houses of all of Egypt, um, that which your fathers haven't seen and the fathers of your fathers have not seen from the days that they were upon the earth until today. And he turned and he went out from before Paro. Of course, we're talking here about Moshe. Uh, this description of the locusts filling the houses of the Egypts, of the Egyptians, the house of Paro, and the house of his servants, and the house of all the Egyptians, this is the kind of description that we've had before. We had it in the plague of Arov. We had it in the plague of frogs in, um, originally. And um, it, it suggests something that's very threatening, something that fills their private area, uh, the bayit, as we've noted, the house, certainly the house of Paro, is the source of his greatness, it's the source of his security, it's the source of his strength. I'll mention again that which I alluded to, that which I mentioned previously, and that is that the name Paro actually means great house. Par and O are two separate Egyptian uh, words which come together to mean the great house. In fact, the word paro symbolizes not just the king, but rather his palace. And so the fact that some of these plagues actually seem to swarm into the houses of Egypt and even the house of the king, this is really very um, uh, threatening. This really threatens to undermine paro's, the source of his, of his strength, of his security. Um, and yet this description seems to be a little bit even more far-reaching than the descriptions of the previous plagues in which we had um, uh, the houses filled. Of course, we know that um, locust swarms are particularly numerous. Uh, a swarm is estimated to contain uh, about 240 trillion locusts. Swarms of locusts are somewhat common in Egypt, and yet what we're told here, similar to what we were told about the plague of hail, is that this particular plague will be something that no one has ever seen before. Not the fathers of the people in Egypt and not the fathers of the fathers. I think we should note that this description of lo ra'u avotecha, va'avot avotecha, contrasts with what we saw in verse 2, in which we were told that this plague is uleman saper be'oznei, Vincha uven bincha. You should be uh, telling this plague in the ears of your sons and the sons of your sons. The Egyptians, when we talk about them, we talk about their past. Whereas when we talk about Am Yisrael, we are looking toward their future. The Egyptians are a thing of the past. Their power is a thing of the past. Whereas Am Yisrael, we are already looking toward their future. In any case, this is another connection between the plague of locusts and the plague of hail, and that is that this is something that we've never experienced before in Egypt, despite the fact that it is a common natural disaster in Egypt, locusts, still we've never seen anything quite like this one. 
And then Moshe turns and he leaves Paro. This uh, rather uh, unceremonious leave-taking, I think on one level shows us the shift in the balance of power. It's Moshe that turns and leaves Paro uh, without asking permission, without, you know, sort of um, uh, being deferential in any way. But it also recalls Paro's initial reaction to the plagues that are being brought upon him. If you recall, back in the plague of Dam, we're told that all the Egyptians are digging around the Nile trying to find water, and we were told, Vayifen paro, vayavo el beto. Paro turns away, and he goes into his house. Well, here, in this, uh, in this uh, um, uh, towards the end of the plague narrative, what we have is, is uh, the same word, Vayifen, describing Moshe, who is Vayetse me'in paro, who is leaving Paro's house. This shows, I think, the way in which the whole story seems to be shifting in a different direction. No longer is Paro's house a place of security, a place of strength, a place where someone would want to be, but rather Moshe has, uh, um, uh, leaves Paro's house in order to find both a plague-free environment, because of course the locusts are going to be in his house, but also in order to show that it is Moshe now who's really controlling the story. Look at what happens in Pasuk Zion. Vayomru avdei faro elav. Ad Shalach et anashim. Viavdu et Adonai Elohehem. Haterem teida ki avda mitzrayim. And the servants of Paro said to him, Until when will this one be a trap for us? Send the men and let them worship their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is lost? The role of the servants here is very important in showing us what has, uh, again, what, how these plagues are beginning to um, leave their mark upon the Jewish people. The I'm sorry, not upon the Jewish people, upon the Egyptians. The servants step in here. They seem to be rather presumptuously speaking before their very powerful king. This is an incredible testimony to their terrible fear. Look at how they echo Moshe's words here. They say, Shalach et ha'anashim, v'yavdu, right? They, set, they say, send the men, let them worship. They even use the word haterem, which is the same word that uh, Moshe used previously when, when Moshe said, I know that you and your servants, yadati ki terem tir'un, Hashem Elohim. That's what Moshe said back in Parakhet Pasuk Lamed. I, I know that you, you're not yet properly fearing God. Well, here it's the servants basically turning to Paro and saying, Do you not yet know the same word, Teda? Do you not yet know that Egypt is lost? And here the um, the servants of Paro, it seems to be be sinking in. They also use the phrase. Hashem Elohehem. So there we have also like uh, the same way that that, uh, that Moshe used Hashem Elohim, they used Hashem Elohehem. So they're echoing very much Moshe's words. And we've never really seen the servants stepping up in this manner. We did see that some of the servants of Paro were beginning to be God-fearing back in the plague of hell. But we've not yet seen this kind of pleading with Paro to understand that, in fact, um, they recognize that God is in charge, and yet at the same time, they don't seem to be very favorably disposed, not to Moshe and not to the people. The words that they use, until how long will this one, this Zeh, this, this, uh, this Moshe, 
be for us as a snare, as an entrapment. And their argument, I think, is is uh, uh, disrespectful, if at least recognizing that they no longer have any recourse. This is all particularly significant, especially given the fact that this all occurs in advance of the plague, and they're trying to convince Moshe not to bring the plague, which means that they already are convinced that Moshe is representing God and has the ability to bring the plague. And look at this, the advisor's pressure seems to have worked, and Paro is indeed going to call Moshe and Aaron back to his palace in order to negotiate with them. And they return Moshe and Aaron to Paro. And he says to them, go and worship God, your God, who and who are the ones who are going. What we see here, I think, is Paro trying to retain a little bit of control over the situation. Look at Moshe's response. Moshe responds, with our youth and with our elders we will go, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our cattle we will go, for this is a holiday for God for us. This, I think, is really one of those moments when we know why Moshe uh, was meant to grow up in the palace. He doesn't speak as a slave. His response is bold and confident and really, I think, rings clear as day throughout the narrative Everyone will go, including our property. And what we get a sense here is, is that uh, Paro is going to begin to understand that Moshe's words hint to the fact that he intends to leave permanently. He's not doesn't seem to be particularly hiding that fact. And as we're going to see, Paro's not going to like this response very much. And he said to them, Yehi chen Adonai imachem ka'asher ashalach etchem ve'etapchem. Para's words actually somewhat sound sarcastic, and he said to them, God will be with you on the day that I send you and your children. Look and see, for there is evil in your faces. Which basically means that I see that your intentions are not good, your intentions are evil, your plan is evident on your faces, and Paro realizes that the, the, the request of Moshe seems to be less than sincere, and in fact, he's going to be taking this whole nation and not returning. Um, now, Paro's words are really somewhat unusual, somewhat peculiar. Uh, you know, it's almost sounds sarcastic. God will be with you on the day that I let you go with your children. No way that that's going to happen. The language here is so unlike what we've seen so far with the poised and authoritative leader. It almost sounds as though he is spluttering here in indignation. There's somewhat something somewhat awkward about this verse, about this pasuk, which seems to reflect the wrath of the seething paro here who simply uh, doesn't even know how to respond to this kind of chutzpah, to this kind of uh, presumptuousness that Moshe presents here as he says that he will be leaving with everybody. Uh, what is interesting is that uh, the words ki ra'ah neged p'nechem, which I translated like the Rashbam, your intentions are evil, other mefarshim understand it differently. In fact, Many of the Mepharshim understand this as a threat, like the Ramban, evil will be in store for you, or, or 
you know, I will punish you. Uh, the Ibn Ezra, Ramban, Sforno, others seem to go in this direction as well, whereas Rashi makes a very interesting suggestion, which seems to indicate that, um, that Rashi understood that Ra was some sort of, uh, he calls it a star of Egypt, some sort of godlike figure in Egypt, and suggests that this may be a reference to that Ra, right? In which case, again, it may have some sort of, um, of, of threat involved. Ra is coming to greet you. Ra is in store for you. I will call down the sun god upon you, if we understand it that way. Anyway, it's an interesting reading from Rashi. Look in Pasukut Aleph, where um, uh, Paro maintains the fact that he's willing to make some kind of concession, but of course, um, he is not going to concede enough for uh, Moshe not to bring the plague. In Pasukut Aleph, he says, Lo chen hagvarim et Hashem, ki ota atem he says, this will not be, let the men go and serve God, because that is what you want. And he expelled them from before Paro. So Paro uh, concludes this with uh, a declaration that Moshe is acting in bad faith, and he does not intend to let him go with all of the children and with all of the animals, but rather only the men may go and worship God. There is certainly something here ironic about Paro uh, indicating that Moshe is acting in bad faith because, of course, he's the one who is continuously um, deceiving Moshe and saying, yes, I'll do it, and then changing his mind. In any case, though, <clears throat> Paro retains his position as the ultimate authority and he expels them from before him. That word vaigarish is going to be important later on when they do leave Egypt. Pasuk Yudbet, so this seems to be almost a foreshadowing of that. Pasuk Yudbet, vayomer Adonai el Moshe, mitei yadacha al Eretz Mitzrayim ba'arbeh, v'yal al Eretz Mitzrayim, v'yochal et kol esev ha'aretz, et kol asher hishir habarat. God said to Moshe, stretch out your hand over Egypt for the locusts, and they will come upon the land of Egypt, and they will eat all of the grass of the field, everything that has been left by the hail. And Moshe stretched out his rod, his staff, over the land of Egypt. And Moshe stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and God led an easterly wind against the land all that day and all that night. It was morning, and the easterly wind bore the locust. Easterly wind certainly seems to be the natural way in which locusts arrive, and yet at the same time, I think we can't uh, help but notice that there are several several indications here that the locust plague is leading, it's foreshadowing the events at Yamsuf, in which God brings an easterly wind, and the word, uh, the Ruach Kadim that we have there, we're going to see also that when these locusts are taken away by God, God's going to bring a wind again, and he's going to bring those locusts and leave them in the Yamsuf, which is another connection between the locust plague and, uh, and, and the events of the splitting of the sea. Um, I think that in general in Tanakh, oftentimes locusts are compared to an army. And so that the fact that the fate of these locusts 
uh, sort of foreshadow the ultimate fate of the Egyptians when they do come and chase Am Yisrael with their army, that is meant to show us or to perhaps warn the Egyptians of what will happen to them if, in fact, they do chase Am Yisrael. Ultimately, their fate is going to be the fate of the locusts. If you look in Pasuk Yudalid Vayal Ha'arbe Al-Kol Eretz Mitzrayim, and the Arbe, the locusts, come against all of the land of Egypt, Vayanach Bechol Gvul Mitzrayim, and they rest in all of the borders of Egypt, Kaved Me'od, very, very heavy plague, Lufanav Lo'ayachen Arbe Kamohu, Ve'acharav Lo'yeken. Before this, there was never locusts like this, and afterward, there will not again be locusts like this. In this particular plague, there is no indication of the haflaya, the distinction between the Egyptians and Am Yisrael. It seems to be that, uh, in fact, um, the locusts just sort of swarm throughout all of Egypt. And there might be actually a logical explanation for why. Because, of course, this plague is a long-term threat to the survival of Egypt. And this poses no threat to Israel because they will be long gone before they have to worry about the food supply for the next season. And in fact, if uh, God had left food in Goshen, that might actually cause the opposite effect. And, and Paro might not have felt threatened because, of course, he can just take that food in Goshen. In any case, though, one of the things that we see is that Am Yisrael is going to leave the land of Egypt in the same type of circumstances in which they arrived, with a terrible threat of famine, as the food supply of this well-known land of plenty dwindles ominously. Of course, it was Yosef who changed that situation for the Egyptians in Sefer Bereshit, and this story begins with Paro betraying Yosef, and so we plunge the Egyptians right back into the situation in which they were, before Yosef arrived. Let's look in Pasuk Tetvav, and they, these locusts, covered either the surface of the ground, or perhaps we mentioned previously the sun, and the land darkened, and they ate all of the grass, of the land and all of the fruits on the trees that were left by the hail, and there was no vegetation on the trees or on the grass of the fields in all of the land of Egypt. Look at the word coal, coal, coal that we have here over and over. Everything is gone. The comprehensiveness of this plague is really, I think, very strongly emphasized. And Paro um, hurried to call Moshe and Aaron, and he said, I have sinned to you, to your God, I have sinned to God, your God, and to you. And now, forgive my sin just this time, and plead before your God, and let him take away from me just this death. So once again, we see that Paro recognizes that this will bring death, just as we saw with the Barad. This is another life-threatening plague. It's explicitly noted so by Paro. The plagues seem to be gathering in intensity, and Paro's fear is 
quite evident in this in this uh, scenario Vayimaher. He rushes. Uh, he pleads desperately with Moshe. He indicates that he regards himself as a sinner before God. And he left Paro and he pleaded to God. Here again, we have this sense that Moshe is Moshe is just sort of, uh, um, you know, almost automatically doing what he is supposed to do. But he doesn't really, his heart doesn't seem to be in it. I think it seems clear that he knows that Paro is no longer trustworthy. But God does, in fact, take away this plague. And Hashem turned the uh, the wind, the very strong wind of the sea, and it lifted up the locusts and it plunged them into the Yamsuf, into the Sea of Reeds. There was not even one locust left in all of the borders of Egypt. God hardened the heart of Paro, and he did not send the children of Israel. And we've seen already that uh, uh, that in Shechin, uh, God already began to harden Paro's heart. Um, in Barad, Paro hardened his own heart. But here again, we have God hardening Paro's heart. We're going to have that again in our next Makkah, in our next plague. And we see that we're sort of uh, hurtling towards the end. God is going to bring these last plagues upon Egypt, but they're already beginning to recognize God. Uh, the name of God is on their lips. It is on the lips of the servants. It's in the mouth of Paro. They are beginning to understand the uh, enormity of these events and the enormous power of God. And in our next class, we will begin with our ninth plague, and that is the plague of darkness.